2: Talk to laugh through the pain of the. US education system We'll see you there
1: Thanks to Third love for supporting Mueller she wrote Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off their first order Go to thirdlove.com/ag to find yours today And thanks to Buffy for supporting Mueller she wrote for20 dollars off your Buffy comforter visit Buffy.com and enter promo code AG. And finally, thanks to BrewMate for supporting Muller, she wrote. BrewMate wants to create the perfect drinking experience and to keep every sip of your drink refreshing. BrewMate is giving our listeners a special discount of 15% off your first order when you go to www.brewmate.com and use code AG at checkout. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. Uh, This week was like a Smiths song, honestly. It started out rainy and gray. Uh, All of us were depressed about last week's Manafort sentencing, but then Wednesday happened, and it morphed into more of like a Lynn manuel Miranda situation (laughs) uh, with Judge Jackson sentencing uh, Manafort for a little more reasonable amount of time. Uh, We have a Rick Gates update this week. We have all sorts of uh, stuff. Stone gag order hearing happened this week. Lots of news. Uh, Michael Flynn had his update. Big week. Um, Big week for the Mueller probe. And we heard a lot of peripheral stuff, too, uh, including Nancy Pelosi saying she's not all about impeachment and the media freaking out, calling her inconsistent, which is the furthest thing from reality because she's never been for it. And I think that was more of a political stunt, like a play, to be like, you're not even worth it, bro. But she left the door open in case something in the Mueller report comes out that's like, oh, you're worth it now. Um, so I thought that was a, a really well played because it kind of takes away the Republicans' ability to say, they're crazy about impeachment. They got pitchforks and torches and the right. crazy mob of Democrats, you know.
3: Yeah. At the same time, though, it did really piss off a lot of Democrats. It did. And we're like, what the fuck? And they're just sitting here holding out.
1: Yeah. That's what Nancy's here for, though. She's playing the long game. She knows yeah. what she's doing. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think so, too. And, and and like I said, and she she made it clear, you know, right now, as I see it, you're not worth it because she doesn't have the votes in the Senate. Right. Well, she does not in the Senate, but we don't have the votes in the Senate to remove. You have to have 67 votes, I think.
0: Right. So well, he won't actually be impeached as of now.
1: Well, he'll be impeached, but he wouldn't be removed. Right. So it's not worth it. But if something happens to where that moves the needle, uh, maybe the white horse prophecy, which I'll talk about later, oh, or, uh, you know, something, <laughs> you know, that Mueller report comes out or maybe some huge sweeping RICO indictments or something that would change minds. And then she's left the door open to impeach at that point.
3: Yeah. I think what she says it gets mistook as her saying that she doesn't think he even could be impeached. Right. And, and that's, that's like, hey, what the fuck? Everyone freaks out. Like, come on, what are we here for? What's yeah.
1: happening? <laughs> I know. I initially tweeted it out and I was like, what fresh hell? Fresh (laughs) hell! I saw that. What fresh hell is this? And everyone was like, "You leave Aunt Nancy alone!" And I was like, "What? Jesus! Okay, all right." They gave you the Nancy
0: clap, you know. Yeah, she needs bodyguards
1: like that. She has very weak arms. She knows what she's doing. Why don't you trust her? Okay, all right. And then we found out about another investigation into Trump. This time, it's the New York Attorney General. Working with Deutsche Bank, taking a hard look at all the loans they doled out to Trump over the years. Uh, my beans are on the prosecutors looking into whether or not Trump inflated the valuation of his assets to defraud the bank and secure a loan. Uh, something That's something Manafort's going to prison for. So we know it's a crime, um, albeit he's not going for long enough. But uh, lying to a bank, telling them you're worth more than you are to get a bigger loan is a goddamn felony. So... We look forward to that. He's like, I wasn't going to do anything with it.
3: I just wanted people to think
1: I was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need it. I just wanted it now. Yeah. Don't send me to jail. <laughs> Give me a hug. It's an emergency at my golf course. Um, Julisa, you have a report on a Trump lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And Jordan, you're going to be doing all the Stone stuff this week. Mm-hmm. And joining us for the interview this week is uh, Natasha Bertrand. She's an MSNBC contributor. You've seen her on Maddow and several other shows. She's a staff writer for The Atlantic, and she'll be joining us live at the D.C., uh, miracle theater yeah on what's that March 29th oh my god that's so close I'm yeah. so excited I love every
0: time I see her pop up on TV which is all the time
1: yeah. yeah yeah VIP sold out for that by the way but you can still come
3: yeah get your tickets so now. yeah get
1: them now get them now Uh, And uh, for upcoming shows, too. And if you're a patron, if you become a patron, we'll send you out codes and stuff so you can get discounts to VIP or pre-sale or whatever the venue lets us do. All venues are different. But we usually give you some sort of little cool thing. We're doing a super secret meetup uh, in a public venue after the show at Largo on April 18th. And and our patrons will get access to that. So it's 3 bucks to become a patron. And you get all our little secret messages. You get your Annie Dakota ring. Uh, you, no, I'm just kidding. There's no, <laughs> there's no decoder ring. But you get my show notes, the newsletter, ad-free main episodes, access to the ad-free full-length MSW Book Club episodes, all the whole archive of mini ad-free. You get the ad-free midweek update, um, and you'll automatically become a patron of our forthcoming daily news show called Daily Beans. So best deal in the universe, join us at patreon.com slash mullershewrote. Uh, for information on our other tour dates, uh, like I said, March 29th at Miracle Theater In D.C., March 30th at the Bell House in Brooklyn, June 14th at the Parkway Theater in Minneapolis. Just head to our website, MullerSheWrote.com. All the ticket links are there, and the VIP meet-and-greet cocktail hour information is there. We cannot wait to see you guys out on the road. And yes, those live shows will be put out as episodes. Those are going to be our episodes for the week. We're going to go through the news. We're going to have the Fantasy Indictment League. It's going to be awesome, so check it out. So before we drop into the news, let's get our shit together with corrections.
2: It's a mistake
1: it's hard for me to say i'm sorry oh
0: i made a mistake (laughs)
1: all right let's start with the ongoing saga of me trying to pronounce the name of the right-wing crackpot party in sweden first i came out of the gate with sverig demokratina which was close but you all emailed me saying it was a soft G, which I took to mean a just mm-hmm. sound, like in GIF, not GIF. Uh, so I started trying. I'm going to plug that. Other ongoing times saga. I can.
3: How H-E pronounces GIF?
1: <laughs> GIF. So I tried again with Sverige demokraterna, and now you've all come back saying no, 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 soft G like a Y sound. Veronica and I are trying this new fad called uh, jogging. I believe it's jogging or yogging. It might be a soft J. So let me try it one more time. Sverig, demokraterna. Is that closer? Oh, it sounds closer. That sounded beautiful, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Sverig. Sverige, democrats. You uh, Sverige, democrats. It sounds
3: Irish. Look
1: at that. Sverig.
3: It's a Saint these, Day. It's Italian. <laughs> Can what, you pat- picture like? that hat on her
0: and the little Russian hat, one of her fans in her? I have it. I gotta have it. You got to say that with that hat I, on. <laughs>
1: The Russian hat speaking Swedish? It just okay. all makes sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. It just <laughs> reminds me of this.
2: Hey, um, you know I'm half Swedish. Hey, who are they sonvard? Heals. Yeah. 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 Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Guys, I wasn't going to keep trying, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to play that clip from Splash. So thanks to all of you for writing in on that. I'm sure I've fucked it up again somehow. We'll keep going. Now I'm, now I'm into it. I'll, I'll get it right before the end of the year, I swear to God. Uh, next, we got a lot of emails telling us about the dark web, uh, which we <laughs> mocked relentlessly in a, in a midweek episode. I won't go through everything, but it exists. Uh, and apparently there's three levels from what you guys say. The surface web, that's what we all surf on. Uh, the deep web and the dark web. Hmm. Um, and it it really has to do with encryption and passwords, and you need access to encrypted sites, basically. I'm not going to go into it. I know there's more to it. You don't have to tell me. Um, but thank you for that information. So it's, it's real. You can buy kidneys.
0: Yeah, someone begged us not to go.
1: Yeah. yeah they called
0: like, me out. They're like, don't. Don't do it. Don't yeah. check it out. No.
1: <laughs> yeah. The deep dark web. It sounds like paradise by the f- dashboard light. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, meatloaf fans? No, probably not. Uh, I also referred to the nuclear boobies at San Onofre as cooling towers, but they aren't cooling towers. The boobies actually house the reactors themselves, so they are literally nuclear boobies. (laughs) Um, And thank you for that. The reason that I call them cooling towers, I was a uh, nuke in the Navy. The reactor itself is the cooler in and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it works in most places. But there is a cooling system in the secondary system and the tertiary system. And in the third one, you bring in ocean water to condense the steam that went through the turbines. But so when I think cooling towers, that's where, to me, the reactor is. So yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. The cooling um,
3: system is probably in some shaft building <laughs> or something.
1: <laughs> but because the water comes through and the water gets hot, but that cools the reactor, right?
3: Because it's that hot.
1: Yeah, because basically... Uh, when the uranium uh, fissions and the neutrons will collide with the hydrogen atoms and hydrogen molecules in water, transferring most of its kinetic energy because they're roughly the same size, that heats the water up, cools down the reactor and then that goes and heats a secondary water system. And that's probably all classified information. Um, so I'm probably in a lot of trouble.
3: That's just science. It's fine. <laughs> Trump Trump does make science classified information now, doesn't he? I I'm know. Yeah. No books.
1: That's <laughs> true. When I was a nuke in the Navy, they made us classify our algebra notebooks. I'm like, it's the okay. fucking quadratic equation. <laughs> 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 no one else can know. Classified. Just to fill you guys with pride. Mm. Jared Kushner is allowed to look at that. Um and the Ides of March, by the way, which just passed. Uh, Ides means middle of the month, basically. And it falls, I know it's not literal, but it falls You sometimes on the 15th, but only in March, May, July, and October. Usually it's the 13th, because uh, the- that calendar was weird. They go by, they put it into threes, and it's odd. And they go, it's just, you know what? Just trust me. It's the middle of the month. Uh, and in March, it falls on the 15th. And then uh, speaking of Latin, et tu brute. Uh, Jordan, you had asked... Why Brute if it's Brutus? The name Brutus uh, is a second decl- uh, declension masculine noun, and it appears in the phrase in here in the vocative case. Uh, and so the U-S ending is the nominative case. It's replaced by the E. So I took Latin in high school. I should have known that. I I, I only really remember the, the verb conjugations, like agricola, agricolas, agricola, agricolis, agricolas, agricolis, But Brute, brutus, they, depending on if you're talking about them or if you're dire- uh, addressing them directly, which is evocative case, you get that E ending.
3: Nice. It's good to know we didn't get any
1: political shit wrong. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Just random nerdy shit. <laughs> and everyone's like, my Latin came in handy. I'm like, all right, dead language. Here we go. Uh, Also, uh, we were talking about Trump's shit grades and test scores and that he could just embrace it by saying Einstein was a genius that sucked at school. But apparently there's a lot of evidence out there that he was actually a really good student. Um,
3: I knew that was wrong when I said it.
1: And Oh, well,
3: why did you? Uh, I mean, I didn't know. I just had a feeling, you know? <laughs> I have that feeling a lot. Yeah.
1: And apparently there's evidence that actually Einstein's wife largely composed the theory of relativity anyway. Oh, I believe it. So it's all out there for you to search if you want to read up on it. Really fascinating. It's wow. always the
0: wife,
3: man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Behind every genius Dude. is mm-hmm. the actual genius, Michelle I think Obama. is the phrase. I was just yeah. going
3: to say that the Michelle Obama of white people.
1: Yes. Yeah. And by the way, Michelle Obama and Barack Obama have a magic beans inside joke. So that I thought that was adorable. That is. I'll um, I'll I'll tell you all about it next week because I don't have it in front of me, but just trust me. Uh, or, you know, Google Obama's magic beans and, and it's there. <laughs> uh, actually, that could probably take you to the dark web and I don't know if you want to go there. Uh, finally, in the midweek episode, I, I had mocked an entry under Jared Kushner's yearbook photo that said he was a member of the Hasty Pudding Club. And we got a lot of emails saying the HPC yeah, you know me uh, is actually fucking awesome. And no one really understands how Kushner was even a part of it because it's so cool. Jordan, what's the pudding club? What's the hasty the HPs? Or it might even be Hasty pudding society, but I think it's club.
3: Yeah, so uh, the Hasty Pudding Club, it was established in 1770 as a social club for Harvard students initially, and its purpose was to bring together undergraduates in friendship, conversation, and camaraderie. And pudding. And pudding, exactly. (laughs) The club is named for the traditional American dish that the founding members ate at their first meeting, and now what they do is... And now they wrestle in
1: it. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) It's very, very straight. Uh, It is co-ed, actually, and heteronormativity is just a joke. I'm just joking. <laughs> yes. No right. emails. Wherever you fall. Uh, so, yes, wherever you fall is fine. Uh, each week, two members in alphabetical order apparently have to provide the pudding for the eating. And that's about it. Conan is on record saying that he hates the club. Oh. Well. That's the only celeb shout out I saw on the wiki page. <laughs> I <laughs> <was> heard. negative. <laughs> Jason Segel was part of it It's some Yeah, point. no, it was wow. probably a joke. Conan probably said that as a
1: joke. Yeah, Conan, he seems like a pudding type fella. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I think he could have been in it. I bet he couldn't s I bet he couldn't say Sferia
0: Democratina. Yeah. <laughs> Bill yeah. Cosby wasn't associated with this, right? When well, oh, I think God. hasty pudding club, which is, I just uh, think yeah. Cosby and the
1: pudding and the Pops <laughs> and, the, the, and
3: the ladies. Yes, yeah. they're sleeping. They don't let black people in Harvard.
1: <laughs> Good point. Or at least not then, right? <laughs> not in the seventeen seventies, for sure. <laughs> uh, although I you know what? I'm probably gonna get an email proving me wrong. So if you have corrections, send them to Hello at Mullershe and uh, we will read them on the air. And remember, compliment sandwich. I actually got, I put, I, this is how I think that feedback should go, right? You say something nice, then you put your feedback in there, and then you say something, then you end with something nice. I actually got feedback on how I asked for feedback. She's like, no, 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 no sandwich. You say the compliment, then you say the feedback, and then mm. you end because people always remember what's at the end. Mm. And uh, I disagree. So
0: like a toast, like an avocado toast kind of <laughs> a sandwich Quite, It's, like it's an, open, an face open face sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I disagree. Uh, I like the compliment at the end. Uh, maybe because it helps me forget the... the,
0: Which defeats the purpose, Defeat, I guess. Uh... So she can <laughs> have a point. But I'm with you. I like sandwiches.
1: <laughs> I like sandwiches, too. I don't understand open face sandwiches. Really, that's just a... You, it's, it's not yeah. complete.
3: They're the distressed genes of food. It costs twice as much. (laughs) Yeah, when when one
1: slice leaves the family. (laughs) Diesel sandwich. All righty. Guys, let's jump into the news this week with just the facts. All right, guys, let's travel all the way back in time to last Sunday, which seems like a decade ago. uh, When a story dropped about Manafort and the mystery $125,000 payment he lied about to prosecutors uh, three times... One uh, one of the things, that's one of the things that blew up his plea agreement. And why on earth he lied about it uh, so many times is beyond me, but I think I have an idea. But, I, I mean, that's just, it's the weirdest thing to cover up. Um, the payment was made to Manafort in June 2017, and we didn't learn about it until prosecutors accused him of lying about it, um, or lying about the origin of the payment. He he said three different stories that made no sense. Uh, I was alone. Uh, I, got, I found it in, in the couch. You know, I just, he was... <laughs> the, <laughs> It was was
3: just a change in the couch. Yeah, that's the change in the couch for
1: Manafort is (laughs) $125,000. So basically, Manafort helped establish a super PAC in June of 2016 with a dude named Lori Gay, Uh, and it was called Rebuilding America Now. Um, And Gay is a former Reagan guy who then worked with Manafort as a lobbyist in the 1980s. And their super PAC, the one for Trump, raised $24 million, considerable, considerable amount, and far more than any other Trump PAC had come close to earning. Well, as it turns out, this PAC is how Manafort got paid for his work on Trump's campaign. We learned this because when Manafort's legal bills started piling up, he asked for a $125,000 loan to help with that, or loan, quote-unquote. And the path that that money took uncovered this kickback scheme that Manafort and Gay set up using the PAC as a cover. And I think that's why he was lying about it, because I think other monies took this same path. While this $125,000 thing for legal fees is no big deal and it's not illegal— I don't think he wanted anybody to know the path that the money took um, because I think other monies that weren't legal took that same route. Right, Um,
3: Because the money that's raised through PACs are not supposed to, they can't be directly associated with anyone in the campaign.
1: Right. And they can't be foreign. Right. So, um, Yes. So so Gay reached out to another one of their associates that ran an ad buying firm called Multiple Media Services Corporation or MMSC based in Virginia, run by a dude named Tony Fabrizio, uh who incidentally um was Trump's uh pollster on his campaign and another Ukrainian lobbyist. He worked for uh on behalf of the Ukraine with Manfort. So Tony Fabrizio, remember that name for your fantasy <laughs> indictment draft. Uh, anyway, he he's testified several times with Mueller's grand jury. Uh, and anyway, these guys are on Jerry Nadler's list of 81 people. All of them are on that list, of you know, when J- Jerry Nadler from uh, House Judiciary is trying to get all this documentation from these guys. Anyway, Gay reached out to T- Fabrizio. And his ad buying agency, who incidentally uh, received 19 million of the 24 million. So most of the money raised by that super PAC went to this ad buying agency. Mm. Um, So Gay got the money from Fabrizio, 125,000. Then Gay put it in Manafort's lawyer's account. What we didn't know until now is that all these guys were skimming 6% off the top of every ad in a kickback scheme and paying themselves with donor dollars, calling it commission on ad buys. Um, this harkens back to the NRA ad buying scheme that you reported on, Jordan, a few episodes ago. So mm-hmm. why did Manafort lie to cover this up? And like I said, my beans are on a river of foreign money poured into that pack. Manafort paid most of it to his friend and Trump pollster Fabrizio. Uh, and Manafort, Gay, and Fabrizio pocketed 6% of that money, which I probably think came, I think probably came from Russia. I, 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 I probably think sometimes. Oh, yeah. All the rubles. <laughs>
3: Packs definitely are not. They're supposed to be nonprofits, right? You're mm-hmm. not. You're not allowed to just take six percent off the top, or you could say it's for administrative costs. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that could be a, a cost paying yourself. Hmm. Um, but that, like, I, I, it depends on where the money comes from. Right. And yeah. To I, be determined. I know for a fact Mueller knows, and I my beans are on Russia, or you know maybe even Saudi or UAE, mm-hmm. Israel, Mexico. Definitely. Could be any number of places. Uh, in other Manafort news this week, he was sentenced in his D.C. case by Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, to what amounts to 3.5 additional years in federal prison. So all told, he'll be serving about seven and a half years uh, minus time served, so minus nine months. Uh, this D.C. case was uh, partially concurrent. It's going to be – the the judge said you have to serve this partially concurrently and partially consecutively. So our our beans came true because I said – Five years, part concurrent, part consecutive. And that's exactly what happened. And that just means some of the time has to be served in addition to the time he was given by crazy ass Honey Badger Ellis in Eastern District of Virginia. And some of that can be served at the same time. So he's not doubling up on the time. Uh, She really wanted to have him serve the additional time for the new crimes of witness tampering and conspiracy to obstruct justice. And that's exactly what we thought would happen. So our beans came true. As you all know, the sentencing of less than four years from Ellis is a joke. Uh, I think he should have gotten 12 or at least 8 in that case. But Ellis hated this case from the beginning. So four years is what, a little less than four years is what he got.
3: Yeah, Ellis is definitely the kind of guy that wears a fedora when he's not wearing a wig. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) He's He's totally, totally, he's he's a total, like, Jordan what's his name Jordan Shapiro oops I create an awful baby of, of <laughs> what about and devil's advocates <laughs> but climate. that whole time he was just like this is not about the pull investigation he was going to live and die on that hill just to like punish them it seemed almost for for even being a part of the same team that was investigating those crimes
1: yeah but I got super space beans on a theory and Judge Ellis's coming out and saying this is just to put the screws to Manafort mm-hmm. uh, the supports, flip. supports my theory Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll get into that in a minute. But the big news for Manafort sentencing this week was that Judge Jackson explicitly said that the case and her ruling have nothing to do with collusion because Manafort wasn't charged with collusion in this case. And her ruling in no way determines whether or not Manafort conspired with Russia. And she even said there could be evidence. We don't know. But I'm not ruling on that today. Then immediately after that Manafort's asshole lawyer stepped out of the courtroom and told everyone the judge the judge conceded there's no evidence of collusion which is a total lie and I hope he's disbarred Uh, but I also can't help but notice he seems to be lubing the truth with all this no collusion stuff. Why are you trying to convince us unless you know that it's going to come up in the future. And I wanted uh, to add this to the mounting number of clues I've been collecting over the past year, pointing to the idea that Manafort will, at some point, be indicted for crimes of collusion with Russia. And let me explain, as I did in episode 23. You're going to want to check out that episode as a primer for this. Um, and I do realize that collusion is not a crime, but crimes of collusion include RICO, um, wire conspiracy. fraud, bank fraud, money laundering, computer fraud and abuse, Uh Conspiracy to defraud the United States, uh, aiding and abetting. Uh, th- those are quote unquote crimes of collusion, and that's how it was defined by Rod Rosenstein in the scope memo outlining what Mueller is supposed to be investigating. So when I say crimes of collusion, I want you to know that that's what I mean. All right, so clue number one uh, was when we got that redacted Rosenstein memo, I was just talking about, that outlined the scope of Mueller's investigation into Manafort. One of the two bullets we could see that wasn't redacted was that Mueller was charged with investigating crimes of collusion. This presumably wouldn't have been included if they didn't already have some indication or some evidence that Manafort had conspired with Russia. Clue number two was a minute order wherein the judge asked Manafort to write a brief explaining why the charges against him should be dropped. And the judge acknowledged in that minute order that Manafort was seeking relief from current and future charges. And this was after he'd already been in charged with all the bank and tax fraud shit, right? Mm-hmm. So I took the future charges means crimes of collusion. Clue number three was when a warrant was made public showing prosecutors were still searching Manafort's shit as recently as March of last year, after he'd been charged already for the bank and tax fraud shit, indicating there is an ongoing investigation. And not to mention, they seized five phones in that raid, indicating they weren't just looking for business and tax shit, but possibly trying to determine his whereabouts, such as clandestine meetings with Konstantin Kalimnik, maybe. Um, Clue number four happened when Mueller reminded Vanderswan after he got out of prison that he had waived his FOIA rights in his plea agreement because he had sensitive information about Manafort that was part of an ongoing investigation. And Vanderswan has nothing to do with Manafort's bank and tax fraud shit. And clue number five was in that same warrant when they seized the phones, uh, and much of that warrant was redacted because it contained evidence of an investigation, quote, not part of the current prosecutions involving Manafort. Meaning there are future prosecutions involving Manafort, at least underway, are being investigated.
0: Right. And not related to the real estate, possibly?
1: R- not at all. OK. Because not part of the current prosecution. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That, that is current. Uh, because even though he's got the new real estate stuff, mm-hmm. that's those are still the old crimes. Makes sense. Yeah. But they're newer. They just recently happened. Anyway, not have anything to do with that. Uh, Add that to the time Andrew Weissman told the judge in court that Manafort's secret meeting with Kalimnik goes to the heart of the Mueller investigation. Uh, And we know those meetings didn't have anything to do with bank and tax fraud. And the constant barrage of the no collusion by Manafort's lawyers, even going so far as to say that Judge Jackson conceded there was no evidence of collusion when that's the opposite of what she said. And it seems clear to me that Mueller isn't done with Manafort. As a matter of fact, Natasha Bertrand wrote a piece about it in The Atlantic that dropped Friday morning called. Muller isn't done with Manafort, <laughs> uh, and she'll be with us later for the interview to discuss it. So, nice. Ready for some super space beans on this? Mm-hmm. I think there's RICO charges. I think there are RICO indictments coming from Mueller's team. Uh, there may already be on the docket sealed two more sealed documents went uh, two more sealed indictments went up on the doc- docket on Friday or Thursday. Uh, of course, we don't know if they're Mueller. We don't know what they are. We just know that they're sealed indictments. Yeah, And if you... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was if just... you if you want to know what Rico
3: is, uh, get our book club, become a patron, because we talk about that in our second episode of it, and we talked about this and seeing, asking if it was something that might happen, and totally, I agree.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that, that he's bringing that up now, McCabe, in his book. Yeah, Rico's basically racketeering. Um, so, anyway, remember when I was talking about Judge Ellis saying... Uh, you're just doing this to, you know, this isn't about Russian collusion. You're just doing this to get him to flip on Trump. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what they were doing. That's why he was charged with bank and tax fraud shit, because normally what happens is the prosecutor will come at you and say, I got all this ba- bank and tax fraud shit. You want to help me out? Well, Manafort said no. So they had to go forward with the prosecution. That was that whole, those, those, and, he, and and Mueller wanted it all to be in one case, and Manafort's, no, I like two trials, please, two trials. hmm <laughs> dragging Uh, it out for them making it harder Fuji's two trials two trials (laughs) and yeah and and so muller's like all right bro but that's why they prosecuted those as he pled not guilty then he agreed to cooperate and they started asking him about kalimnik and crimes of collusion and he lied and that's why that's all redacted because they're trying to find they're trying to do the investigation into into that and he blew up that plea deal so they're like all right fine fuck it get out of here and I don't know if you guys knew this, and I'll be talking about this. No, I'll talk about it right now. Rick Gates came in Friday for his sentencing update. They extended Mueller, asked for another 60 day extension, which I predicted on Twitter the night before because I I know Rick Gates is helping with the inaugural stuff, Mm -hmm. but he could also be helping with with, the collusion stuff. With the collusion stuff. That
0: would make so much sense. Because Manafort was a no help. Yeah, exactly the redacted
1: element all of it makes sense pointing towards another case in the works yeah because they said he's still cooperating in several ongoing investigations rick gates not just one several so again i'm sure he's assisting multiple agencies with the inaugural investigation because he was the deputy of the inaugural fund but he could be helping with manafort so those are my super space beans and and i think we're there we're going to see rico charges it could be one big rico indictment involving all the players that haven't been indicted yet, all mm-hmm. the targets. Or he could have several up there, and that might be why there's several sealed indictments on the docket. Uh, one for the Stonehenge. One right. For, one for Manafort uh, and his group. little one, cluster of fucks. One for yeah. <laughs> little cluster fucks. Like a cereal brand. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck clusters. Yeah. With honey and oats. Nice. Trees and oats. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jalisa
3: you're on fire.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then maybe one for um, XAML. And the August 3rd group, right? Uh, Nader and all those guys, maybe one with the Seychelles group, Dmitriev, Eric Prince, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he might have several. And instead of a report, which everyone's saying, oh, to be out on the 26th, you can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Alan Dershowitz stood <laughs> the forward. Uh, Washington <laughs> Post has one up there, too, now. But that report might be like, I indicted these people, I didn't indict these people, but we might see a whole sweeping indictment group event, of yeah. one giant or a group of indictments mostly for RICO conspiracy computer fraud all those things I named crimes of collusion that comes out and that is our Mueller report and it wouldn't include Trump right because we still can't get him he'd be named as individual one but I don't think Mueller's going to indict a sitting president so he would be just like Nixon an unindicted co-conspirator mm-hmm.
3: hell yeah uh, I think for them honestly it'd be a more efficient use of their time too if they could just slam a bunch of RICO cases on them Yeah, and, and like we talked talked about last week in the book club every every time that you indict someone or a group of people they have you have to prove their association with each other and every single person has to have engaged in that act so two crimes
1: right yeah two crimes two crimes it's all coming back to the Fujis,
3: <laughs> who by the
1: way pros michelle is part of this whole investigation oh, oh my god ag you crack it <laughs> because of the cutter investment authority fucking him and ice cube out of a bunch of money. Right. And then them laundering it. So ha I'm gonna go back and listen to the Fugees and look for all the codes. Connecting the dots. Yeah. Two crimes, two crimes. Pros Michelle. And the, I do do I have that right? Is it the Fuji's? And he was in that? Yeah, I think so. All of this is going over my head. What are the Fuji's? It's a group, like a kind
0: of a hip hop group, like oh, Lauren shit. Hill was in it. I read it strumming my pain with his Oh pain. yeah, totally. I like the original two one, times, though. two times. Oh no. Nice. Yeah, they're both great. Okay. Okay. I like the Roberta they're, Flack Yeah, oh
1: so stuff. good. But it was, you know, Fuji's mm-hmm. Lauryn yeah. Hill. Short for
0: refugees, I believe. Yes. Because they're all, like, brown people. Oh, cool. Yeah, Not that white people can't be refugees. (laughs) You know, you get
1: the picture. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys, that brings us to the Schadenfreude of the week.
0: Schadenfreude. Dad, do you know what Schadenfreude is?
1: No, I do not know what Schadenfreude is. Please tell me because I'm dying to know.
0: It's a German term for shameful joy taking pleasure in the suffering of others. Oh, come on, Lisa. I'm just glad to see him fall flat on his butt.
1: And the winner of Schadenfreude of the Week goes to Cy Vance. He's the Manhattan district attorney, the DA, who, as Manafort's lawyer liar was bullshitting in the public courtroom uh, on the steps on D.C., as he was up there saying that shit that the judge, Jackson, conceded that there was no collusion... Cy Vance dropped an indictment on Manafort for 16 counts of mortgage fraud and falsifying business records. So go ahead, Trump. Try to pardon your way out of those measly 7.5 years for Manafort. I don't give a fuck. Uh, New York D.A. has him dead to rights on 16 more counts that he's already admitted to in his past two trials. Trump can't touch this with a pardon, and I think he's looking at up to 25 years. You want Um, an MC
0: Hammer clip right there?
1: (laughs) Can't touch this. Oh, oh, no. Let's not do that. No probably. I'll just sing it for you. Guys, and I'm sure that's not all. I'm expecting, put beans on this, Virginia State to indict him, too. Uh, I wonder, uh, maybe Eastern District of New York. I wonder if anyone keeps track of my beans, where they are, which beans have come true. That would be a fun list to hmm. see. Like, what, what, beans, what beans may come. Yeah. I don't know. That, I don't know. That would be fun. That, that's a, a lot of goddamn work, though. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like too much work. Anyway, we'll be right back. Hey Muller Junkies, this episode is brought to you by our favorite bra company, Third Love. Third Love uses their Fit Finder Quiz, which asks not only about your cup size and strap size, but asks about your cup shape and what your common issues with off-the-rack bras are, like cup spillage or the straps that dig. And the Fit Finder Quiz is fast and easy to use. It will assess your needs and recommend the perfect bra. Third Love knows there's a perfect fit for everyone, and they carry more sizes than anyone in the industry with 70 sizes, and for all body types. And they have signature half sizes. Did you know that 50% of women fall between cup sizes? I'm one of them. So this alleviates that problem, and I'm very happy about it. Once you take their Fit Finder quiz, you can order and try on at home, so no more bra store hawks chasing you around with tape measures and then throwing you into a dressing room with a box of 50 bras to try on. That's fun. I love 3rd Love though because it saves me the trip to the mall, it saves me having to deal with those ladies. They have incredible customer service, I get to try them on at home, and they have a 100% fit guarantee so returns and exchanges are free and easy. This is hands down the most comfortable bra I own. They're breathable, tagless, and they're made of the softest materials so you'll barely know it's there. Third Love wants to help you find your perfect fitting bra today, and they're offering you 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com AG now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com AG for 15% off today. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, welcome back. So right before the break, we were discussing the 16 new indictments from Manhattan D.A. Cy Vance. And this week, a lot of you sent me an old ProPublica article with concerns about how Vance took money from Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka and at some point overruled a case that New York prosecutors were preparing against them for felony fraud. Remember when Don Jr. and Ivanka were lying to potential real estate buyers about how many condos they sold in Trump SoHo to trick them into buying like, we're almost sold out. Mm -hmm. You got to buy them now. Uh, We talked about this in previous episodes. Well, the prosecutors at the Manhattan DA's office had been building a case to charge them with felony fraud for that. Well, what really happened was that Kazowitz, that's, you know, the lawyer, and he was at the time the attorney for the Trump kids, he donated $25,000 to the re-election campaign of Cy Vance. And apparently Kazowitz had had asked him to drop the case. But before that meeting happened, when, when he asked him to drop the case, Vance had already returned the $25,000 to Kasowitz, saying, this isn't right. It's kind of a conflict of interest. Kind of. <laughs> um, and he didn't bring any charges um, on against the Trumps because he didn't believe he had a case. He didn't think he had the proof. And six months after Vance dropped the case, six months after, Kasowitz made a $50,000 donation to his campaign. Vance now says he's planning on giving that back, too, but not until recently he decided to do that. Personally... Even if there was anything weird here, which there might have been, it kind of sounds like it. Um, you know, t- it's it, but it, it also is kind of typical rich people greasing the DA, the local right. DA. Uh, and I don't think this has any bearing on the sixteen indictments he just brought against Manafort. If anything, it shows that he can't be bought.
3: Yeah, totally. And if you take issue with them giving money or him accepting money from them in the first place, Hillary accepted money from Trump throughout a lot of her political career. Sure, that's sure just did. that's just New York, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's just New York. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm so of California. <laughs> uh, Monday, we learned that the White House rejected House Oversight Democrat Chair Elijah Cummings' request to interview Stefan Passantino and Sherry Dillon, both personal attorneys for Trump. Cummings requested the interviews uh, with the two lawyers after they obtained documents indicating they had lied to ethics officials when they were questioned about hush money payments made to Stormy Daniels, Stephanie Clifford's White House counsel Pat Cipollone, or Cipollone, Cipollone, I think Cipollone. it's Cipollone. Cipollone. <laughs> Uh, He got all pissy uh, that Cummings directly requested the interviews without going through the White House counsel. uh, And then he said that they will not make Passantino available for questioning. The White House is also still refusing to supply documents related to security clearances for Ivanka and Jared. Uh, Those are memos written by John Kelly and Don McGahn, even though someone within the White House has already leaked those memos to House Dems in Congress. So lots of fights teed up between Congressional Oversight and the White House. I'm sure the White House will keep resisting. I'm sure Congressional Oversight will keep pushing. There'll probably be some subpoenas subpoenas issued uh, and we'll keep you posted on all of them. So stay tuned. Uh, The Miami Herald reported Monday that the Federal Court of Appeals in New York took the first step to unseal documents in the Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking case and gave the parties until March 19th to establish good cause as to why they should remain sealed. If they fail to provide good cause, the summary judgment, deposition transcripts and supporting documents will be made public. And that's bad news for folks like Alan Dershowitz, who has lobbied to keep the press out of the case, uh, and maybe even Donald Trump, who has been named in cases against Epstein. Uh, Prince Andrew is involved in these Epstein parties as well. And the U.S. attorney in Florida that let Epstein off the hook is Trump's current labor secretary, uh, Alex Acosta. He's providing oversight for sex trafficking right now. Gross. Yeah. And recently, a federal judge is uh, handling uh, his case said well a federal judge said that his handling of the epstein case was against the law
0: yeah by not informing the 30 women of the deal that he yeah. gave epstein,
1: right? because basically if you're if you're the u.s attorney and you're doing a deal with a with a crimer then you have to tell the victims of the crime that you're doing the deal mm-hmm. and he'd failed to do that so he broke the law and he's still somehow the labor secretary because trump you know mm, there you go
3: yeah most of the people in power with him it's like are still somehow they're in all, their position, mm-hmm. all of them are still somehow
1: there. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. I wonder if he, you know how like Nixon added a bowling alley and uh, Obama added a basketball court. When did Trump adds like a rub and tug, <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: little salon, little just a massage. little,
1: <laughs> just a little Cindy gang. Yeah, mm-hmm. Orchid Day Spa right in the West Wing, right off the, the the White House. There. Yeah,
3: he's like, look, it's it's for the climate, all the. <laughs> The car trips to the rub-and-tug places from Congress. It's bad for the it's environment. It's stretch. Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah. It yeah. is. <laughs> it is. Five times a day.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of Cindy Lang, the former owner of the Orchid Day Spa in Jupiter, Florida, she's apparently seeking to hire two of Roger Stone's lawyers, a husband-and-wife couple named uh, Evan and Karen Turk, the Turks. Uh, the Day Spa is where authorities have charged uh, Patriot's owner Robert Kraft and 24 others with soliciting prostitution. Uh, all this on the heels of a bunch of photos of uh, Cindy glad handing, pardon the parlance, with uh, <laughs> Trump at a Super Bowl party and a ton of other Republican officials and talking heads, including Matt Gates, Scott Walker, Dan Bongino, Boing- Bingo Bongo, Bingo Bongo, <laughs> and more. Um, just all pretty much any Republican in Florida has a, a flushed face taking a selfie with this lady. Mm -hmm. Are they embarrassed (laughs) or like, you know, fresh out there? She just complimented them. Let's just say that. (laughs) Uh, And recent reports indicate Yang set up a slush fund to sell access to the president, a lot like essential consulting. It's fucking essential. That was Cohen's little slush fund where AT&T and Novartis and everybody was given millions of dollars to just get access to the president. Right. She was doing this too. Um, And she's also been known to provide, allegedly, uh, trafficked women to businessmen at Mar-a-Lago Resort. So she's fucked, and you can put some beans on that. We got a lot of Roger Stone news this week. Jordan's going to go over that in Hot Notes, so Indeed. stick around. Uh, we learned Monday that New York Attorney General is now investigating Deutsche Bank, don't you want a loan, <laughs> and uh, their ties to Trump projects. The civil probe was prompted by the public testimony of Michael Cohen and has uh, issued subpoenas for loan applications. Uh, New York Attorney General has issued subpoenas for loan applications, mortgages, lines of credit, and other financial transactions relating to the financing of Trump organization projects and his unsuccessful attempt to buy the Buffalo Bills football team. Uh, Specifically, they're looking into the Trump International Hotel in D.C., uh, the Doral, the Doral, that's some fucking piece of shit golf club in Miami, and the Trump Hotel and Tower in Chicago. This is all based on the Cohen testimony saying Trump gave false financial statements to Deutsche Bank to uh, to support his failed attempts to, to buy the bills, the Buffalo bills, and lower his real estate taxes. Both crimes, by the way, both crimes Manafort's going to prison for. So we know their crimes.
0: Yeah. Don't you want a plea deal? Don't you? Don't <laughs> you? you to make T-shirts.
1: <laughs> don't you want to resign? <laughs> uh, and he's now facing the Manhattan DA charges for falsifying business documents, Manafort is, uh, and that we covered earlier. So the part of that real estate fraud that the the Manhattan D is charging Manafort with has to do with falsifying business documents. That's probably the time when he tried to take his PDF and turn it into a Word document and change it and convert it back to a PDF and fucked up the formatting because Republicans can't tech. <laughs> and the hits just keep coming this week because we learned uh, in a new court filing Thursday that New York Attorney General uh, Letitia James, Tisha James, detailed her case against the Trump Foundation lawsuit seeking $2.8 million and an order banning the Trumps from operating a charity in New York for 10 years. This filing was in response to a submission from the Trump Foundation lawyer saying her initial lawsuit was flimsy and politically motivated, uh, even though they settled and shut down. <laughs> they had reached a deal, right? Because in December, they, did, they reached a deal to close their doors and distribute. They had $1.7 million in funds, and they agreed to distribute to other charities under supervision, under court supervision, by the way, not like how, you, how Trump wants to probably distribute it to charities. Mm-hmm. But the agreement apparently didn't resolve the lawsuit. So she's going after him still. I like her. I do, too. And if that weren't enough, we found out that the New York appeals court rejected Trump's motion to dismiss the defamation suit filed against him by Summer Zervos, a former contestant on The Apprentice. <laughs> she said he groped her. He called her a liar. She sued him for calling her a liar. He filed a motion to dismiss because he's above state law. Court says, no, you're not. Uh so he's got to go now forward with this lawsuit. I I wonder how Trump keeps track of all of his lawsuits. I was that, just uh, thinking that
3: today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That uh yeah, does he weird... have his own
2: murder board? <laughs> I was just going to
3: say yeah, that's a that's a weird uh, Lisa Frank binder. <laughs> binder. Um, Trapper keeper. Yeah. <laughs> it was making me think too if that sets a precedent for states being able to indict or not indict but just move forward with a case and if the federal government won't indict him then maybe the state government will.
1: Yeah, and they did actually use um the precedent of Paula Jones versus Clinton, because she sued him, mm-hmm. right? And that was, a, I think, a federal civil suit. And so they cited that saying, if they can, if she can do that, then they can do this in the state court. And so, yeah, I think the more cases you get going in the favor of Trump's not above the law, whether it's state or federal, the more case law you have and precedent you have to move forward with perhaps Southern District of New York indicting the president. Totally.
0: So. Yeah, Trump's, I don't know if he had a, a murder, murder board. He'd probably have, like, a burn book, you know? Like, I can see him being really petty. You're a fugly slut. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Rosie O'Donnell. I love her, but he would say that.
1: He yeah. would. <laughs> I think he probably did. Um, <laughs> drug pusher. Uh, then Tuesday, we got... I'm, Deep cuts from mean girls, I'm sorry. Uh, Then Tuesday, we got Flynn uh, Flynn status update early. We're supposed to not get it until Thursday or Friday, but uh, Flynn's lawyers asked for another 90-day continuance for sentencing, citing that he's still cooperating with cases, including testifying in the Bijan Kian case coming up in July. Bijan Kian was the guy he lobbied for Turkey with, and uh, he he was indicted by Mueller right before Flynn appeared in court. That time, the judge was like, "Uh, did you guys maybe think about charging this dude with treason? Uh, remember that? Yeah. And the judge was also like, do you really want me to sentence you today? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. No, do you really want me to sentence you today? Like, are you sure? Yeah, no, we're ready, sir. Look at me again. Do you (laughs) really want... He's like, look at me, look at me. And he's like, no? Good answer. Go, go forth and cooperate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Love and serve the people. Fucking piece of shit. So he's like, oh, we need 90 more days to cooperate as much as we can so that you don't uh, put me in jail for more than zero days. Um. I don't know. Mueller's team has no objection to the 90-day continuance, uh, which puts the next update on June 10th, a full month before the Bijan-Keon trial starts. And Mueller's team also said, "Uh, sure, we don't have any objection. Go ahead. But we're done with them. But if you got a thing, go do your thing, man. So the continuation was granted, and we'll revisit it in June. Uh, Matthew fucking Whitaker met with uh, the chair and ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee behind closed doors Wednesday after being called back for being a fishy dick. Uh, According to Jerry Nadler, the major takeaway from the meetings, uh, the major takeaways, there were three, uh, are one, that Whitaker did not deny Trump called him to discuss Cohen and to see if Trump ally Berman would unrecuse himself and oversee the Cohen investigation, Also, he was involved in discussions about firing U.S. attorneys. And finally, he discussed whether the Southern District of New York had gone too far by investigating Trump's finances. So basically, he lied under oath. Uh, We'll see if he pays the price. That's what led me to wonder how much prison wine Whittaker could make in one of his big dick toilets. Quite a bit, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. And that's why our midweek episode was called Big Dick Toilet Wine. And we might go with that again, <laughs> because I think it's seriously my favorite episode. Yeah. I love that it. That's so time. funny.
3: Also, a great band name. I know people always say that, but I really mean it. Big it's Dick Toilet big
1: Wine. Big Dick Toilet Wine. B-T-D-W. Oh. <laughs> T-dubs. B-T-D-dubs. hmm uh, Yeah, I love it. Uh, and I know it's not good for search engine optimization, but I don't fucking care. <laughs> Or big ball
3: toilet wine. That's the discussion we had.
1: <laughs> because, you yeah, know, we were talking about that toilet's not really for big dicks. It's about for du- dudes with saggy balls. balls. Yeah, balls. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be hard to market. You have saggy balls? If I got the toilet for you? It's like, you got a big dick? Come get this toilet. <laughs> yeah. You're really kind of playing into that big dick energy. Yeah. At that point. That's what you should call the toilet. Big dick energy? The BDE. Oh. The bidet. That was before a mm. big dick energy really caught the on, big probably. big en- Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I don't think he has that anyway, but I bet he has droopy balls. Also Wednesday, the New York Times (laughs) (laughs) dropped a piece of reporting uh, that a grand jury in New York has subpoenaed documents from two prominent smartphone manufacturers as part of a federal investigation by the Eastern District of New York. So not the Eastern District of Virginia, not the Southern District of New York, but the Eastern District of New York. Uh, And they're looking into data deals that these um, smartphone manufacturers struck with Facebook. Uh, So Facebook, again, data problems. They are already facing scrutiny by the Federal Trade Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission, not to mention the Justice Department Securities Fraud Unit over the extraction of data from over 80 million of us uh, that they gave to Cambridge Analytica that was later used to influence the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. Facebook, you're in trouble. I hate Facebook. Um, All social media companies have participated in the Russian meddling. Yeah, in one way or another. So I know that y'all want us to get off Facebook, but we would have to get off all social media and then you wouldn't have access to all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're working on it, on a viable alternative. I don't see one right now, but it it's active. Yeah. It's an active, ongoing search. It's an ongoing investigation. <laughs> Rick Gates is helping us. Uh, on to Thursday when CNN got a hold of um, some emails from uh, to Cohen from a guy named Costello. Uh, and this is a, one of the lawyers that joined up with uh, Rudy Giuliani and Trump's team um, right around the time, right right around the time that uh, after Cohen was raided, right? And one of the emails said, quote, I spoke with Rudy. Uh, Very, very positive. You are loved. He's talking to Cohen. If you want to call me, I will give you the details. Uh, I told him everything you asked me uh, to, and he said that he knew that. (laughs) There was never uh, any doubt, uh, and they're in our corner. Rudy said this communication channel must be maintained. He called it crucial and noted how reassured they were that they had someone like me, whom Rudy has known for so many years, in this role. Sleep well tonight. You have friends in high places. Ugh. P.S. Some very positive comments about you from the White House. Rudy noted how that followed my chat with him last night. Okay. Okay.
0: It sounds like they were writing Cohen as if he was like already in prison. <laughs> like, hang
3: in there, yeah, yeah, total like mob shit. Yeah, hang in sleep there. Sleep well tonight. Sleep, mm-hmm. sleep you with can the close fishes. Close both eyes.
1: Yeah. Sleep, sleep well or sleep with the fishes. And then, uh, where's a the horse head? No. Anyway, that email is dated April 21st. Earth Day. Uh, shortly after... Th- <laughs> just a
3: glimmer of positivity. Yeah.
1: <laughs> shortly. It didn't say happy Earth Day. End of the year <laughs> <Day>. rude. <laughs> <laughs> so that was shortly after the raid on Cohen's properties. So when asked if he was offering a pardon there, when he was like, sleep well tonight, uh, Costello said, that's nonsense. I wasn't dangling a pardon. I was just trying to smooth over the relationship between Cohen and Trump because Cohen seemed worried. Um, really (laughs) we don't have yeah we don't have Cohen's response to these emails but the story the mainstream media is missing here is the part of the email that says quote if you want to call me I will give you the details which to me means I can't say the word pardon in an email so give me a call Uh, if I saw that and I were Cohen I'd call him up and I would record that call oh yeah that's Cohen's specialty so what do you want to bet there's a tape out there somewhere I would bet beans on that one maybe that'd be fun Mm mm-hmm then Thursday, we learned that Andrew Weissman is hanging up his Mueller hat and his DOJ hat and headed into academia. Hmm. Uh, no big deal. He's the number one guy. He did the Manafort case. He's, mm-hmm. he's uh, one of the prosecutors on Mueller's team. But no big deal, guys. Everyone chill. There's still 13 angry Democrats. <laughs> uh, and maybe maybe they are nearly done, including that like that whole big possibility of the super space beans I put out there about all the RICO indictments that might be coming. They could be done with those. They could be on the docket. Sealed. Done. Uh, again, super duper colossal space beans. Uh, don't get your hopes up on this. Don't hang your hopes on this. Right. It would just be really cool. Yeah. It would just be really cool. It could be that we just get a weird report. It maybe it's blocked. Then we it. And... Then we find some other stuff. And then perhaps we hear that maybe the truth. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Just because Mueller is an investigator, he's not a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Okay. But and these could be handed off to D.C. Handed off. They could be handed off to D.C. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Fall into these weird accents. We're in Jersey yeah. now,
3: yeah. When in Rome. Oh, uh,
1: in Rome. <laughs> that
3: was not a New
0: York accent. That's also in Jersey.
1: <laughs> hey, Rome. When in Rome. <laughs> went in Rome. Oh, God.
3: Well, Weissman. <laughs> Weissman's specialty is like fraud and financial fraud. So, like you said, if they're wrapping this part up about it and they're shifting over to more of the, you know. Counterintelligence. Exactly. Mm.
1: And also, uh, not to mention, he hasn't left yet and he hasn't given a day he's leaving Uh, So there's there's that. We just don't know. But I mean, you know, he's done. So he's going home. Everyone's like, oh, how do you feel now? Number one guy's gone. I'm like, fine. Uh, If you don't keep up with
0: the investigation, I can see how these things look like it's falling apart. But that's why we exist.
1: That must be it. Like, oh, he's leaving. Your number one guy's leaving. Ha ha ha. You didn't find anything. It's over.
3: They don't see the connections. No, yeah, no, he was yeah. the number one guy for laying the basis to, like he said, try to get him to flip, and then that didn't go through. Mm-hmm. So they followed it all the way through, and mm-hmm. now
1: they get to shift over into their other stuff. Yeah, and this all could have been handed off to D.C. This—that's yeah, did it again, handed off to D.C. <laughs> because that's what happened with Stone, right? Mueller no longer has the Stone case, um, but D.C. is prosecuting that. So, yeah, way back in episode 23, really good episode. You should check it out, by the way, when we were talking about how Mueller had given full U.S. attorney power to all of his little underlings. Mini-Mullers. So that they had the ability to just go on and continue their investigations without him. Yeah. So if he poofed or got fired or uh, disappeared or got beamed up or the fucking <laughs> rapture happened, I don't know, however he leaves. He'd be the first one if the red. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he
3: would be saved for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, yeah.
1: totally. Yeah. And then we would get his shoes. <laughs> Um, that's why I'm excited for the rapture all the free shoes yes so, I'll still be here because you leave your shoes behind really <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: So. Oh, that's a thing in the bible yeah free shoes wow <laughs> um, that's really a classist just assuming everyone has shoes oh yeah. that's
0: true yeah,
3: yeah. all I'm, the toms left behind
0: somewhere
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's like double the toms out there with no shoes <laughs> All those loser Super Bowl champion T-shirts left in Haiti. I survived the Mueller investigation. All I got was this T-shirt. Uh, oh, God. Uh, but yeah, so everyone's got full power of U.S. attorney and, and can continue with these. There's still 13, 12, 13 people left. Everything's fine. Don't panic. Don't panic. Um, he's just going on. He's done.
0: It's like he cloned himself, really.
1: Yeah. So don't don't be sad. Also Thursday, the House passed a resolution 420 to 0 saying they want the Mueller report made public. That is astounding, and I hope it speaks to William Barr about what our elected officials are expecting, uh, which means what we are expecting. Of course, Lindsey Graham crackers blocked the resolution in the Senate. They're not even gonna vote on it, so we might not be able to learn how many Republicans in the Senate want this report to be out there. Uh, But the Senate did vote 59 to 41, with 12 Republicans siding with Democrats to block Trump's national emergency declaration for his idiot wall. Uh, (laughs) We only need 20 Republicans for impeachment, so this might be a little hint. However, most of the Republicans that voted against the emergency declaration did it for constitutional reasons, not because they don't want a wall. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting yardstick either way. And I just keep thinking about the white horse prophecy. And I mentioned this at the top of the show and I'll tell you what it is again. Is it in our FAQ, by the way? It's not. That'd be a cool one to add. Should be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, uh, we were talking about um, <laughs> this, just this theory that uh, Mitt Romney, this is way before the midterm election. I said, what if Mitt Romney gets elected because he hates Trump? And he comes to Washington and convinces nine of his buddies. No, what was it? The, 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 the Romney, Romney nine. nine. Yeah, Nine of his buddies at the time, because I thought we were going to win the Senate. Nine of his buddies to to vote to remove Trump from office after he's impeached in the House. We'll call it the Romney Nine. And I got an email from a, an ex-Mormon. What are they called? Jack Mormons? Uh, yes, Jack yeah. Mormons. From Jack Mormon who said, oh my God, what you're talking about is called, it's an old defunct thing, they don't believe it anymore, but it's called the White Horse Prophecy, which says that at some point in the future, our constitution and democracy will be hanging by a thread in great peril, and a, a Mormon man on a white horse will ride out from the West uh, into Washington and save the country, save the democracy from certain death. Is he
0: shirtless in this? I just imagine Romney just like No, that's not buff. Mormon. <laughs> Yeah. Sure, shirtless, but
1: he's got his underwear on. Oh, of
3: course. Yeah. The magical underwear, yes. yeah, I should clarify, too. I think Jack Mormon is actually just a shitty Mormon,
1: not oh. necessarily oh. an ex-Mormon. Okay, so well, this is an ex-Mormon. She, yeah. was, she definitely isn't shitty.
3: Yeah, like you're reaping the benefits <laughs> of eternal salvation and maybe a planet of some kind, yes. but yes. you're bad.
1: And everyone's Ooh. entitled to their beliefs. Yeah, uh, they are.
3: And I don't know what I'm saying. This is half a bit, so... <laughs> Half a bit. Yeah. Also disregard
0: everything I said. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're angry, tweet at tweet Jaleesa.
3: What? <laughs> um,
0: they think our voices are the same. They do. They confuse uh,
1: me and Jordan it's all the, the time. Weird. Yeah. Get her the Mormons. Get <laughs> her. We're always just like yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say, uh, I know a ton of Mormons. Nicest fucking people I've ever oh, met. Oh, absolutely. Unless. And they have the best pantries Unless... in the world. <laughs> I want to hear this. <laughs> You sure you want to go down this road? No, I really don't. <laughs> Thank <'cause> you. <laughs> I'm gonna put your personal Twitter out there if you want to no. continue. I do
3: agree that they're very nice.
1: They are the sweetest people. Mm-hmm. And, unless
3: you don't believe them, and then they're very good piano teachers as well. All my, a my bit piano teachers. pushy.
1: We're Mormons. Oh yeah. All of them. I feel a lot of
3: guilt in the room. Yeah, which I feel like they'll.
1: know. know you guys are good people. Yeah. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Uh, we learned Thursday that uh, Republican Doug Collins has been unilaterally releasing full, unredacted transcripts of testimony, and I'll be going out over that in depth with Natasha Bertrand in the interview a bit later, so stick around for that. Unredacted. Now, I remember Diane Feinstein. She unilaterally released the Fusion GPS transcripts, but she at least had the good decency to go to the FBI and say what should be redacted. Right. They did not do this. Uh, Doug Collins did not do this. He's such a wiener. Uh, if you ever watch him talk, you're like, you're just such a wiener. Um, Hey, that guy. And this weekend, Republicans can't tech. Imagine Trump typing out his letter about why he's going to fire Comey Russia, I hate you. Comey, you suck. Cloud. Uh, wait, cloud lifted. You're fired. Uh, and then hitting print, but sending it to the wrong printer. <laughs> cut Cut to Gary Cohn's office where he picks up the letter. Cohn then takes the letter to Don McGahn, who then takes one look at it and says, Oh. Fudge. Anyway, that, guys, that story is from a new book coming out called Cush Inc. It's out on March 19th by Vicky Ward. So check that out. It's going to be a cool book. Then Friday, Trump tweeted that he thinks the Mueller investigation is illegal and there should be no report from special counsel. Am I
0: going mad or did the word fake escape your lips?
1: So Trump's tweet said, quote, so... If there was knowingly and acknowledged to be zero crime when the special counsel was appointed and if the appointment was made based on the fake dossier paid for by Crooked Hillary and now disgraced Andrew McCabe and he still stated all no crime, then the special counsel should have never been appointed and there should be no Mueller report.
3: So logically, if she was the same as a duck... She's made of wood. And
1: therefore... A away, All right. First, let me translate what he said for you, because I speak Trump. Trump is alleging that since McCabe and others said there were no crimes known when the appointment of the special counsel happened, that Mueller shouldn't have been appointed. He actually thinks you need proof of a crime before you start an investigation. Uh, an investigation is how you find... <laughs> proof of a crime simply stunning not to mention everyone who has challenged the appointment of Mueller in court has lost Mueller is batting a thousand on this everyone else is zero uh the sad thing is that his base will probably believe him but that's not the most insane thing he said this week um in an interview with breitbart uh, trump said he has the support of the police the military and bikers for trump and it would be very bad if they have to get tough <laughs> On his opponents. Oh, my God. He's inciting violence again. So Pretty he's, much. And he's specifically calling out to his military and biker supporters and police supporters saying, wouldn't it be very bad? Yeah. You know, God, God. I don't incite violence. What a dick.
3: Wow. That's very offensive. I imagine as a military member to be likened to the biker for Trump crew. <laughs> I don't even unless understand. they're in it. <laughs>
1: I don't even understand how there are bikers for Trump. He got the fucking Harley plant shut down with his stupid tariffs. That's
0: right. Well, some Trump supporters and and all people, I guess, there's always a bunch that go against their own interests and don't yeah. even realize it sometimes.
3: Right. That's just like had that speech when he was talking. I forget what city it was. I'm. He was like, we're gonna. We're gonna get rid of this, you know, brand of cars or whatever and that city had like the biggest factory employing yeah. workers. But then, in
0: were they city cheering for
1: that brand? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they and... would
0: probably still be cheering. I've seen it. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah.
1: Why isn't there just one biker who just stand up at, at like Sturgis and say, Guys, Trump's a bad dude, his tariff shut down Harley? Come on. He would probably just get started. It'd say and then just <laughs> probably get beat up, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tough.
3: Watch at him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. You just need one biker for Trump to flip. Uh, also, Friday, guys, we learned that the Russian oligarch um, Daripaska is suing the U.S. Treasury and Mnuchin, uh, saying he lost over $7.5 billion when the U.S. put sanctions on him, uh, even though they've worked out a deal where they've been lifted and he saved hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. And he's demanding we stop referring to him as an oligarch and start calling him a Russian billionaire instead, oh. <laughs> claiming he's a victim over the fight uh, over Russia's role in the 2016 election.
0: But, I mean, wasn't his job, like, politics?
1: He's a victim. Yeah,
0: when you combine being a political figure and being a billionaire in Russia, that's how you get oligarch, right? Isn't that the whole idea? Or are there some... I guess there are some good
1: guys in the bunch. Just a Kremlin we're Julissa, talking about, though. Russian billionaire, please. We don't say oligarch on this show. Right, right. No, he, we totally do. You're a fucking oligarch.
3: He's an oligarch.
1: Oh. I like that. Subtle. I <laughs> uh, dare see that coming. <laughs> then Friday... <laughs> Then Friday, for once, Trump <laughs> catches a break and a lawsuit against him is dropped. And Jaleesa will have that story for us in Hot Notes right after this quick break. Hey, Muller junkies. A little while back, I got myself a Buffy comforter, and it's literally the best comforter I've ever owned. And I'm not alone. With over 11,000 reviews, everyone who has one agrees it's the softest and comfiest thing they've ever tried. And it's sustainable. Buffy is made from plant-based fabric and it's totally breathable so you can sleep at the right temperature no matter what the weather's like. The outside is 100% eucalyptus, which is softer than cotton and actually soothes your skin. It's also hypoallergenic, it blocks dust, mold and mites that can make it hard for you to get a good night's sleep. And not only that, but it's less wasteful, using 10 times less water to cultivate. But here's my favorite part, the inside is made from 100% BPA-free recycled water bottles. Each comforter keeps about 50 bottles out of landfills and oceans, and so far, Buffy has recycled and reused over 3.5 million bottles. I absolutely love this comforter, and so do the podcats. They make little cocoons in it, and they sleep like spoiled babies. Plus, the fur doesn't stick to the smooth eucalyptusy goodness, so I love it. And I sleep hot, but the hubs does not, so this is perfect for us because it keeps us at the right temperature, even with my stupid hot flashes. Thank you, menopause. Buffy believes bedding is personal, so they're offering a complimentary trial. Try a comforter in your own home for 30 days. If you don't love it, return it hassle free. For $20 off your Buffy comforter, visit Buffy.com and enter promo code AG. That's Buffy.com, promo code AG for $20 off today. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Awesome. Hot notes. Baby. All right, Jordan, you've got some stuff on Roger Stone today. But first, Jaleesa, hey, a story about Trump actually winning a lawsuit. Yeah. Or did he? It's very tricky.
0: So I'll break it down. On Friday, we learned that Trump managed to beat the lawsuit against him that claimed his campaign assisted in the DNC email hacks. Specifically, U.S. District Attorney Judge Henry Hudson threw out the lawsuit against Trump's presidential campaign that accused them of, quote, conspiring with the Russians and WikiLeaks to steal emails from the DNC in 2016. The plaintiffs behind the lawsuit are Scott Comer and two Democratic Party donors named Roy Cochram and Eric Schoenberg.
1: Oh, Schoenberg's part of this. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. That's right.
0: And uh, the men claim that the hacked emails have caused damage to their lives due to the fact that they contain personal information such as, quote, their social security numbers, home addresses, and banking relationships. In response to the lawsuit, Trump says that his... Discharge of duties has been disrupted, whatever that means. He can't get the rub and
1: tugs. Yeah, there you go. His literal discharges at the Orchid Day Spa (laughs) have been interrupted.
0: (laughs) That explains it. He's basically pushing the 1997 Supreme Court decision that says a president cannot be sued while in office. He's also pushing the argument of First Amendment rights. However, the courts haven't been very receptive to that argument. Judge Hudson, on the other hand, allowed the lawsuit to be dismissed because, quote, the plaintiffs lack a substantive cause of action for conspiracy and have failed to plead viable privacy claims under Virginia law. So in other words, these guys didn't have enough evidence to prove that, one, Trump was involved, and two, that their lives were fucked up as a result of this. So be on the lookout for a Trump tweet that says, Totally clears the
3: president. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. However. Exactly. This is where totally it gets tricky. Clear. no collusion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's fine. Can I ask a question really quick? Oh, totally. When it says action of conspiracy, what conspiracy is that related to is that trump that's, in the uh, dnc hack so the
0: campaign working with wikileaks to
1: to leak the information it is, yeah. it is specifically
3: mm-hmm. the working
0: with
2: wikileaks yeah, part. yeah
1: this court is basically saying we aren't going to be looking into whether or not trump conspired with russia to hack the dnc and distribute the information on wikileaks that's because not they our didn't charge
3: present enough grounds
0: These to do it. Sounded.
1: yeah they needed Mueller on their team or something man it's <laughs> yeah. a bummer yeah
0: Yeah. But keep in mind, the judge didn't rule out that there was no conspiracy, just that the evidence they presented didn't prove it. Very
1: important. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there is conspiracy or not. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't have brought this lawsuit until after conspiracy was proven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And he could. It was I, I think that some of the counts were dismissed with without prejudice. So if you and I think he did that because if they do find conspiracy, they can come back. They can come back and, and say, oh, see, he did, he did it. it was totally. Him. It was him.
0: Yeah. So yeah. there's a little window there. But this isn't just a blow to the plaintiffs. The media is really worried about this decision, too, because even though Trump won the case, he didn't win it on First Amendment grounds, which still leaves a huge question mark regarding the legality of publishing hacked and stolen documents. In fact, in a separate lawsuit by the DNC, they wrote the legal question addressed here is one with significant implications for the press. Or the free press does an act of publication that would otherwise be protected by the First Amendment lose that protection simply because a source is acquired uh, unlawfully? So that's the big question here: is can they, media sources get away with this in the future? Mm,
1: I think media sources can under the Fair Reporting uh, Act. Uh, right. I think they're protected by that, which I'll, I'll talk about a little bit when, when we talk about the BuzzFeed um, article. Nice, uh, but. The, like when the Buzzfeed published the dossier, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. wasn't stolen or anything, but you know that's a Fair Reporting Act. But I, I can see where their concern is because basically what this lawsuit is saying is that the First Amendment does not, because Trump was like, "I'm allowed to distribute stolen documents because of the First Amendment," and this judge says, "No, you're not. Right. The First Amendment doesn't protect on um, you being able to distribute unlawfully." Uh, Which sounds nice,
0: really. But then I guess people are worried that like there'll be no other way to get the truth someday besides leaking it, which is just a crazy world to be in right now.
1: But it is still illegal. Chelsea Chelsea Manning went to jail for that. That's right. And uh, what's his name? Snowden Snowden, is in exile. So, you know, we got to. It'll uh, maybe some of these new precedents will be set. Yeah. yeah. Well, and
3: does WikiLeaks are they considered like a, a media organization to our government?
1: Mm, they didn't and say And Would, they, would
3: camp- they be protected under that clause? Because it said that. The question is whether or not media organizations are protected.
1: Totally. To yeah. Have these
3: stolen information. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I think what they were saying is, well, that's what the media is concerned about. What right. this judge was saying is Trump is not protected under the First Amendment to distribute it.
3: Right. Just in general, I'm just saying the, oh, right. the statement that you said just about the First Amendment applying to media organizations. Right. I'm not sure I, if I you wonder want to apply if to they that.
1: would even consider them to be
3: a media organization since they're not based here or anything.
1: Yeah. Very true. Yeah. What, what. What is the definition of a media organization at right. that point? Can can we do it as a podcast? Are we a media oh. organization? or Because we know that BuzzFeed can. Oh, that wasn't a stolen document. Though, right, so right. I, I don't really have any other precedent to go by that. But. Yeah,
0: I guess we'll just have to see then. Yeah,
1: And I think that whether or not conspiracy is found might have a lot to do with we might see that lawsuit come up against so puts me on that. Mm-hmm. All right, Jordan, what do you got for Rod- on Roger Stone this week?
3: Yeah, so on Monday, Stone's team filed a response to Judge Jackson if you're nasty's request on uh, for an explanation as to what the hell he was thinking when <laughs> he released two things that were a clear violation of his gag order. The first violation was the "Who Framed Roger Stone" picture that he posted on his Instagram. That was clearly <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, it was clearly supposed to push the idea that Roger Stone was being framed unfairly in the Mueller probe. So yeah, not supposed to do that. Uh, it is hilarious to me, though, that he likened his experience to Roger Rabbit, which is a movie that was endearing to some, but mostly just creepy. I liked it. <laughs> and yeah. as a child, it fucked me up. I miss, I miss you, Bob <laughs> Hoskins. Yeah. yeah. What's
0: the uh, lady's name, the the hot one? Jessica, Jessica Rabbit. Rabbit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, like, also, if Roger Stone was any character in that movie, he would not be Roger Rabbit. He would be Judge Doom, because he is evil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally totally and also, never blinks. Oh, that's Rudy Giuliani, though, right? They look similar. (laughs) That's true. Uh, The second violation was him deciding to re-release a book called The Myth of Russian Collusion, which his counsel was not forthcoming about because they failed to mention that the book had already been selling copies since February 19th. They initially were just trying to claim that it hadn't been released yet. Oh, and the beginning of the new book was modified to refer to Mueller as Crooked. Oh. And the book used to just be called The Making of a President 2016, <laughs> but they thought it would be a good idea to change its name to The Myth of Russian Collusion instead, because that won't backfire. Yeah, kudos at all. for propaganda, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, although I must admit that it is a much more Hollywood name, that new title. It's <laughs> much more enticing. The Myth. Yeah, the making of a president 2016 just sounds like the worst cookbook ever. (laughs) So when they gave an explanation to the judge about the book, they said they were sorry about not fully fully disclosing all the details. Sorry. And uh, that they didn't realize that the new intro was going to be an issue. And they also said that the existence of the re-release and the money made from the copies they've already sold doesn't mean the court won't be able to see an impartial jury. They're basically like, nobody buys our book. Come on.
1: (laughs) We're not famous. (laughs) He he changes his level of fame based on how it suits his needs in court. He inflates
0: it like they inflate their uh, income. (laughs)
1: Or he deflates it when it needs to be (laughs) deflated. I'm not famous. Nobody knows who the fuck I am. Or I'm so famous. I'm I'm Roger Stone. I'm fucking (laughs)
0: Roger
3: Stone. It's true. It's if uh, a balloon was a criminal. That's what he does, huh? (laughs) Now, uh, I, along with most people, I imagine, call bullshit on these explanations, but Judge Jackson on Thursday decided not to change the gag order, much to our dismay, and instead set Stone's trial date for November 5th. And get this, it's been reported that Stone's team has to review 9 terabytes of information before trial which one of his lawyers said is enough paper to be stacked twice as high as the Washington Monument. Holy fuck. Is I that know. real? Yeah. Four trees. Wow. You don't deserve this. <laughs> We're going to be here a while.
1: Mmm. Muller trees. He grows his own forest just for these purposes. He makes them with beans. We'll the Muller Do beans grow trees? No. That's just Do a Do bean beans stalk. grow trees? <laughs> that's not-
0: Squirrels grow trees. That's what I learned from Sarah <laughs> Silverman.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thank you for that stone update. <laughs> mm-hmm. Squirrels grow trees. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. All right, so this week, guys, The Guardian got a hold of a new book coming out March 19th called Kush Inc. by Vicky Ward. I mentioned it top of the show, or not the top maybe, but earlier in the show uh, when I was talking about Trump printing out the Comey firing letter on the wrong printer. So in this book, some of our beans came true. Check out this clip from episode 18. Uh, the Daily Beast broke a story on Friday that Kushner's dad asked a Qatari firm um, to lend the Kushner's money to shore up 60, 666 Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, we've talked about the 666 mm-hmm. building. It's it's the office building that's the centerpiece of the Kushner real estate empire, and right. it is $1 billion in debt, the, and that loan is coming due in two months, and Kushner and his family have been scrambling to get oh, money to pay this had loan. no down. idea the deadline was coming. And that's what the Citigroup and uh, Apollo $500 million loans went into that office building. And Kushner's dad uh, went to Qatar and asked them, can we have some money and to, to put into this office building? And Qatar looked at the office building because he bought it in 2007, right before the bubble burst. So that was dumb. Oh, yeah. And Qatar went, no, no, thank you. <laughs> and that upset Kushner. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is that when that deal fell apart, Kushner backed a Saudi blockade of Qatar, um, basically teaming up with Saudi arabians to, to put throw a blockade up against uh, Qatar. Mm-hmm. And, and Qatar is one of our key allies in the fight against ISIL in the region. Oh. That's national security level shit. We have thousands of troops in Qatar like but his but he but his not getting alone and uh, now it's not proven that it's connected, but it's to him it was clearly more important. but, it, but well, whether he did it because of that or not, uh, but he did he did uh, advocate for the blockade. Against mm. Qatar, and it happened to be less than a month after Qatar refused to lend him money on that building. Interesting. So we'll see if that also. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, Mueller's looking into it, and also the Securities, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, dropped an inquiry into Apollo Apollo Global Management less than a month after they agreed to lend Kushner 180 million dollars. So go back and listen to episode 18 because it's all about put in Club Kushner. Uh, And I have a feeling we're going to hear a lot more about Kushner in the next couple weeks. Anyhow, in this new book, we learned that around that time, Kush was confronted by Tillerson and Gary Cohn, who blamed Kush for Trump's abrupt endorsement of a Saudi blockade against Qatar. Uh, Even though they're an ally in the region, we have one of our largest bases there with uh, quite a few military stationed there. Shortly thereafter, Qatar helped to bail out Kushner uh, from his devil building, 666 Fifth (laughs) Avenue. The Guardian also published a piece this week about Kush and how his friendship with Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, is at the heart of U.S.-Saudi relations. Uh, And as we know, Kushner, Flynn, and a whole host of Trump allies have pushed to provide the Saudis with technology to build nuclear reactor plants uh, that could put them on the path to developing nuclear weapons if they want to enrich their own uranium, which they definitely do, Uh, which is dumb because it's way less than half the price to get it enriched elsewhere and ship back to you. So the fact that you want to enrich your own uranium, suspicious. uranium means you want to make weapons. So let's go over a few things we discussed regarding Kushner on the pod. First, way back in April of 2017, Kushner's dad asked the Qataris for a loan, and they said, no, you're stupid. Get out of here. <laughs> Two months later, Saudi Arabia throws up the blockade, much to the chagrin of and Tillerson. Incidentally, that's right around the time Jamal Khashoggi left Saudi Arabia after he trash-talked Trump. And then he started writing for The Washington Post that fall, a few months later. Then remember when we talked about Kushner stealing intel from the president's daily brief about traitors to the Saudi crown prince, and he gave that information, he gave that intel to MBS when he took a trip to Riyadh? That happened. Um, That happened in the fall. And around the same time, Kush gets a $60 million loan from the Saudis. And in November... Uh, Muhammad Bonesaw purged all the traitors to the crown that Kush told him about the month before, put him in, putting him in jail and stuff and probably killing him. It wasn't until a year later that the Cutteries gave Kush their ma- his massive loan to help him bail out of the 666 Fifth Avenue property. And shortly thereafter, the blockade was softened. That's right. They're not even trying to hide it. No. Now, we know that Mueller was looking into the cutter loans, and we also know he looked into loans from Apollo and Citigroup to Kushner. Remember those two? executives that he met at the White House and then got loans from. Not to mention the time Cush dined with the executives from Angbang Bank. That's a big Chinese bank that was also considering buying a chunk of 666 Fifth Avenue. And according to the new book, Cush was rebuked by Gary Cohn for that move as well. Something else we brought up in episode 18 along with the fact that the U.S. had intercepted communications from four countries saying Kush was an easy target, including (laughs) China, United Arab Emirates, Mexico, and Israel. And one of the crown princes even saying, he's such a rube, I have him in my pocket. And as you all know, my number one pick for the secret company from country A is the Qatar Investment Authority. And if it's not that, it's got to be any number of companies that lent Kushner money in exchange for secrets, which is why his security clearance, which should have never been granted, is now under investigation, one of the many reasons they didn't want to grant it in the first place. Incidentally, there was another filing this week in the super-secret subpoena battle um, with company A, or the secret company from country A, but as usual, it was mostly redacted. There were no new hints about who it could be or what company it could be or what country it could be, but we did learn that SCOTUS will be discussing whether to take up the case in a closed-door conference on March 22nd. So expect Kushner's name to start popping up in the news in the coming weeks. Uh, To borrow a line from Trading Places, which I have watched again this week, uh, I think the universe is about to heap a little more misfortune on those narrow shoulders. Mm. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller junkies. Today's episode is brought to you by BrewMate, the fastest growing drinkware brand in the world. When founder Dylan Jacob, not to be confused with Jacob Dylan, lead singer of the Wallflowers and Bob Dylan's son, But when Dylan Jacob turned 21, he quickly discovered that warm alcohol sucks. I think we all figured that out at 21. So he created BrewMate. The mission at BrewMate is to create the perfect drinking experience by ensuring every sip of your favorite adult beverage is just as refreshing as the last, and that is genius. From insulated coolers for slim and craft cans, to unbreakable nosing glasses, to insulated canteens, that keep a full bottle of wine at the perfect temperature for over 24 hours. Brewmate offers a diverse line of drinkware that ensures a perfect match for everyone. For real, they have a huge selection of colors and styles and finishes for everyone from me, the wine drinking book nerd knitting cat lady, to my hubs, the beardy outdoor whiskey guy. There's no metallic aftertaste, which is huge for me. And all the Brewmate products are good to go in glass-free zones, like the hot tub or the beach. No more lugging around coolers and ice. With Brewmate, you can get rid of the fallen soldiers and satellite beers, the half-drunk beverages that just got too warm. No more wasted wine. No more plastic cups filling our landfills and ending up in our oceans. Plus, a spill-proof top for wine glasses, which speaks to me directly. Brewmate is giving you a special discount of 15% off your first order when you go to brewmate.com and use code AG. That's 15% when you use code AG at BrewMate.com. Don't let the summer heat ruin your drink. Go to BrewMate.com and beat the heat this summer. Get 15% off your first order by using my code AG at BrewMate.com. That's B-R-U-M-A-T-E dot com, code AG. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, this was not a last-minute story because it dropped Thursday. But to me, it was the biggest story of the week, so I thought it worthy of sabotage. Plus, it might inform your fantasy indictment draft. Uh, remember a long time ago when we reported that a Russian fellow named Gubarev sued BuzzFeed for publishing the Steele dossier, saying it was defaming? He, You know, he was defaming him. Right. Last December, we reported that BuzzFeed won that suit because the judge ruled it was protected by fair report privilege. That's what I was talking about a little bit earlier when you were doing your hot note, Mm Jaleesa. That immunizes a party for defamatory matter that appears uh, in accurate and complete report of an official action or proceeding. So, yay, they win. Then a little while later, we told you guys that the judge was going to unseal documents in that case. Well, that happened Thursday, and it was delightful, you guys, I have to say, it was fucking delightful. Apparently, BuzzFeed hired some folks to investigate what the dossier alleged. Since they were being sued for defamation, if they could prove what the dossier said were true, then they aren't defaming him, right? That's the thing about a defamation lawsuit or a libel suit. If it's true, you can't sue. And that rhymes, and that's weird. Um, so the dossier alleged that Russian spies used Gubarov's Florida web hosting company, Webzilla, to hack into the DNC. Well, Anthony Ferrante, he's a former FBI and cybersecurity expert, and the dude, he's the dude BuzzFeed hired to investigate the claims in the dossier. And he wrote a whole report for BuzzFeed for court. And that was part of the unsealed documents. And he was able to prove that Gubarev's company was indeed used by Russian hackers to break into the DNC. <laughs> so this is amazing because it shows a whole nother entrance point for Russian meddling and hacking. But also that yet another part of the dossier has been corroborated. To date, nothing in the dossier has been disproven. So keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, just waiting for that PP tape. I know it's 50-50, <laughs> but I'm holding out that this is a <laughs> solid report. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Or a liquid
1: report. I don't know what pun works. Oh, <laughs> That's dumb. I I'm see sorry. see what you did there. <laughs> All right, guys. Are you ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. yes. I'm going to be indicted. No, wait. It's going to be okay. Indicted. Honey, dick. Indicted. I'm, I'm going to be indicted.
3: Hold oh, it. They can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted.
1: All right, guys. This week, I get to go first. I'm fucking excited. I'm saying Manafort. I nerfed. Oh, man. Okay, okay. (laughs) Somebody's going to fucking indict him on some other shit, and I'm really excited about it. Okay, who's next?
0: I believe you, right? Oh, no. Usually we go a different- generation. Okay, okay. I'm
3: going to go with Weisselberg. All right. I'm going with Fabrizio. Tony Fabrizio. Tony Fabrizio. You need a poll? I got you. (laughs) You need Fabrizio? That was stupid. I always think Fabriz
0: when I see him. Right, Fabrizio. Mm -hmm. Like he smells good. He must.
1: (laughs) He makes teenagers' rooms smell delightful. (laughs) Um, I'm gonna go with Assange for me. Damn it. Okay. Okay. I will
0: do Sherry Dillon. She's one of the people who. She's one of the lawyers. Yeah, who might have lied about Stormy Daniels? That's a Mueller-related thing. She definitely lied about Stormy Daniels.
3: Speaking of, did you see Michael Avenatti dropped her as a client? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Really, officially? Probably because really? he's gearing up for a presidential run or is something, he, huh?
1: I thought ass. she dropped him, but yeah. oh,
3: maybe the headline. Anyway, um, I don't think an Avenatti fact, will win right sales? now.
1: Felix Sater. Sater, nice, That's a good one. Uh, is that m- me? Yeah. Uh, WikiLeaks, please. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, Trump Org. Trump Org, good all one. Right.
3: Uh no one did more stone. No, nope,
1: mm-hmm. not yet. Actually I'm gonna do Eric Prince. Nice, that's a good one. He's fucked. Yeah. My turn. I'm gonna do the Trump campaign.
0: Um wait, the committee, like the yeah, that's the yeah, campaign like to Tom elect Baric. President Trump. Oh wait, no, that's the
1: inaugural committee. The Trump campaign is a, a yeah, is yeah, an yeah. entity. Got it, got mm-hmm. it. I'm doing with the, the whole campaign.
3: Case. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh Brittany Kaiser. Good one. Question, if we're talking Rico now, can we do a whole group and say Rico?
1: No. That would be too easy. (laughs) Okay.
3: Uh, Then I will do uh, Donald Trump Jr.
1: Yeah, he was going to be my next one. Is Is that to me now? Yeah. How many do we have left? One. Kush. All right. Now... The Trump campaign is different from the Trump org, is different from the Trump Foundation. Okay. Three different entities. The campaign is the inaugural, right? No. It's not? Okay. The inaugural is a whole different thing, too. Oh. The inaugural is the fund to pay for the inauguration. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah, definitely I'll, had I'll money do the inaugural, through. then. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. That was my pick. Okay, cool.
1: Trump inaugural for you? Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. And I will do superseding stone. Nice. Okay.
1: All right. That's the Fantasy Indictment League this week. Uh, if you want to play, head to our closed Facebook group. Just search for, what is it, Friends of Justice? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not a, a patron and you want to play and become one, patreon.com slash Wrote. Guys, uh, we, I'm so excited. We have Natasha Bertrand back on. She's going to be with us in D.C. on March 29th um, as our special guest. And uh, today we talked about all sorts of stuff, and I think you're going to really like the interview. So let's let's play the interview. And joining us for the interview today is the incomparable staff writer for The Atlantic covering national security and politics. She's an MSNBC contributor. She'll be joining us live in Washington, D.C. at the Miracle Theater March 29th. Please welcome Natasha Bertrand. Natasha, thanks for coming back to Mueller, she wrote.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. So a couple things I wanted to get into with you today. It appears that the Republican House Judiciary Committee ranking member Doug Collins of Georgia, I think, he's been... He's been busy this week, kind of unilaterally releasing totally unredacted transcripts from congressional interviews uh, from people, including Bruce Orr, Peter Struck, and Lisa Page from last summer. So first, I was I was wondering if you could give everybody just a really brief background on who Struck, Page, and Orr are for those folks who maybe aren't familiar with them, though I, I think our listeners are.
2: Yeah, sure. So Pete Struck was um, one of the top counterintelligence officials at the FBI. And he was the one that actually opened the the Russia investigation back in July of 2016. He was the head um, of the Russia investigation in the counterintelligence side. Um, And he's a really important figure because he was really there from the very beginning, um, kind of sounding the alarm quietly (laughs) about the connections between the uh, the Trump campaign and Russia that they were seeing during the campaign. Um, So that's that's him. And then Lisa Page. Is actually the general counsel, or she was general counsel to Andy McCabe, who was the deputy director of the FBI. Um, And she was also involved in all these very high-level discussions about the Russia investigation um, and about which steps they were going to take in a very kind of unprecedented um, situation where you had, you know, the the members of a very high-profile campaign, the next um, potentially um, Republican president um, being investigated for a potential conspiracy. So they were there in the thick of it from the very beginning. Um, Pete Strzok and Lisa Page were also having an affair um, and they were sending text messages to each other throughout the course of the investigation. And of course, simultaneously to the Russia probe, the Clinton email investigation um, was going on and kind of wrapping up at the same time. So a lot of controversy over that. And, and Pete Strzok was also involved in that as well. So they were they were talking, um, they were exchanging private texts using um, FBI issued devices, and when the inspector general of the DOJ launched an investigation into how the Clinton email investigation was handled, those text messages got swept up and reviewed. And both of them, um, well, Pete Strzok was promptly removed from the special counsel's office. Lisa Page had actually left, um, even before that, but Pete Strzok was removed from the special counsel investigation, kind of parked in HR at the FBI, um, and didn't really, he wasn't really involved in the Russia probe. Um, from that point onward. And then fast forward to last summer, he was kind of unceremoniously fired from the FBI. It's unclear still um, on what grounds they actually fired him because there is no specific rules against, you know, expressing your private opinions and text messages, which, you know, they were doing. They were criticizing Trump. They were criticizing Hillary Clinton. They were crit- criticizing Bernie Sanders um, all throughout the, the election. But it's still unclear what basis the FBI used to actually fire them. So anyway, he was he was he left the FBI, testified before Congress publicly. It was very high profile testimony, very, um, very uh, contentious. And fast forward um, a, a few weeks, I believe, after his public testimony or it might have even been um, a few days after his public testimony. He testified in private. And that is the testimony that got leaked. Um, by the the ranking member here of the Judiciary Committee. Um, so, long story short, these are two people who testified that they were just doing their patriotic duty. They're, you know, they were working um, in good faith on this investigation because they seriously thought that there was a very, very um, uh, grave national security concern that was posed by the people on Trump's campaign, potentially colluding with the Russians. Um, and the transcripts really, you know, reflect that. And so it's, it's very kind of odd that the Republicans um, chose to release them um, and allow people to have this window into how the FBI was actually thinking about these things. Yeah.
1: And I wanted to ask you about that, too, because I've read these um, transcripts and now I'm trying to figure out why Doug Collins thought this would help. The Republicans attempt to stonewall this investigation, or at least because I know that these are three of their biggest punching bags, uh, or Struck and Page, right? So this is like where their one conspiracy theory floats around these guys and the dossier. But I can't even begin to like crawl inside of his head and figure out what his motive was because, like you said, this pretty much looks—it's kind of backfiring on him.
2: Yeah, totally. And and we should note, you know, the president has been using this. Um, has been he's been watching Fox News. He's been looking at he hasn't been actually reading the transcripts. He's been reading the coverage of the transcripts. And the way that they're spinning it um, is that, you know, both Strzok and Page were kind of ambivalent about whether or not a crime was actually committed. But of course, that was never their mandate, they're, you know, struck as a counterintelligence investigator, the whole purpose of opening a counterintelligence investigation is to investigate whether or not, you know, potentially um, a threat to national security exists, not necessarily um, to find a crime. So that's how they're looking at it is, well, you know, if, if the investigators didn't, didn't actually find evidence, hard evidence of a crime from the get go, then what basis did they have to open the investigation? And that's how the, that's why the president is saying that they're, that the predicate really wasn't there. Now, of course, their argument is that actually we were so alarmed by the possibility that members of Trump's campaign were Working with the Russians, working with a foreign adversary to, uh, you know, un- unlawfully win the election here is what made us take this so seriously, and what made us open a full-blown um, counterintelligence investigation. And that investigation, of course, is ongoing. Um, I think that what the Republicans are trying to do here is they are, you know, they 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 don't necessarily. I think they they don't necessarily benefit anymore from like kind of. Picking and choosing different parts of the transcript that they want to leak because people were getting very anxious and people wanted to see um, the full kind of accounting of what, you know, the deep state conspiracy might be. Um, But in the end, this really does not help their narrative. And people close to Page and Strzok were telling me over the last year or so, like, hey, we want our transcripts to be released because it doesn't help this conspiracy theory by Republicans and Trump. That we were working to overthrow him or we were working to thwart his candidacy because guess what? None of us ever leaked it.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things that stood out to me in the Lisa Page testimony. And we've been saying this and you've been saying this. We've all been saying this for a long time because when she was asked if there was anyone in the, in the if anyone in the FBI had leaked to the public that Trump was under investigation, she said no. Then they followed up. With uh, Well, if the FBI were a deep state trying to take down the president, couldn't they have just leaked that information? And Strzok had had gone into this, too, but this was in Paige's testimony. And she's like, yeah. And she followed up with a reminder that the FBI is a hugely conservative organization. And so, I I mean, I guess that, you know, the Republicans could pick certain little parts of it out, like the part where uh, Strzok uh, texted that uh, Trump being president would be fucking terrifying, (laughs) unquote. you know but he 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 went into the context of that statement uh in his in his testimony so why you would leak the entire thing is just beyond i guess you're just kind of banking on them not reading it
2: right right you can say that you were transparent and that you released the whole thing um and count on people like Donald Trump to you know still selectively quote from it and still spin it which of course is exactly what he's been doing but but yeah i mean this is this is a really important point that deserves to be made over and over again which is that you know, Hillary Clinton is the one who was really damaged by the FBI's actions um in the run up to the election, not Donald Trump. If anything, Donald Trump was protected by the FBI. Now, not necessarily on purpose. I mean, it was purposeful because they wanted to protect the integrity of the investigation, but it wasn't because you know, it, it wasn't necessarily because they were trying to you know help him win. That was just the nature of the counterintel investigation. But Hillary Clinton had the the the, the you know Unfortunate experience of being hated by enough people in the FBI that they actually had to worry about the possibility that leaks would happen with regard to the new emails that were found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. So that also was a major pressure point on Jim Comey to quote unquote reopen the investigation into her emails a couple days before the election. Now, if that hatred and that disdain for Clinton weren't there in the FBI. And if it weren't so well expressed, I mean, this is according to people who, you know, have told me that in the days leading up to the election, weeks, months leading up to the election, people were telling, you know, top counterintelligence officials, make sure you get Hillary Clinton. And I think that that was actually reflected in Lisa Page's testimony as well. Um, that is really, really important here because, Well, as we'll all recall, Rudy Giuliani was out there in the days before the election saying there's going to be something big to come on Hillary Clinton kind of teasing this, um, you know, new batch of information about her that really was not that was not coming out of the FBI about Trump. Right. So they were on the one hand conducting this very serious investigation into whether or not the the candidate posed a national security threat to the country while at the same time having to manage the anti-Clinton animus in the FBI to make sure that, you know, it didn't explode after the election and be seen as delegitimizing the entire process. So if anything, we just need to remember here that the FBI, as Lisa Page said, is a very conservative organization um, by its nature.
1: Yeah. And how do you square Trump's whole deal with, you know, um, talking about, the deep state and the FBI, when they in fact didn't leak that he was under investigation at all, with his assertion that the whole reason he fired Comey was because of his unfair treatment of Hillary Clinton, it like doesn't add up at all.
2: No, none of it makes sense, and I don't think that they, you know, I don't think they care whether or not it makes sense. I mean, just just looking at this from, I mean, and I, I think it's really amazing also that Lindsey Graham is the senator who blocked um, the resolution to produce Mueller's report in full to the public. Um, that passed in the House. He blocked that in the Senate um, because he said that there wasn't, there still wasn't a full accounting of why the FBI cleared Hillary Clinton of wrongdoing and why, you know, the the potential FISA abuses by the FBI haven't been fully investigated. I mean, it's it's totally, it's apples and oranges here. And it just doesn't, if you're thinking that the FBI was really out to get the president, then you have to wonder why why was there a story in the New York Times eight days before the election saying that the FBI had found no clear links to Trump? I mean, it just it it's it's totally nonsensical. And it really threw people off the scent, I think, who could have really benefited from knowing that this investigation was going on, that all of these, um, you know, Russia's election interference that we've been hearing about for months and months was potentially tied um, to the campaign itself. I mean, That, to I think any voter would have been at least comparable, if not a bigger deal than Hillary Clinton's email scandal.
1: Yeah, specifically because Trump had said over and over again that you can't have a president that's under investigation. Um, uh, And also, you know, we have to remember that when the IG report came out on Comey uh, for this, we were supposed to also get an IG report on the FBI New York field office. And that has been held back for months and months and months. And I have to you know, you have to wonder why. Uh, the IG report on the FBI New York field office leaks about the Wiener laptop um, there. There was an investigation done on that. And we still don't have it. It was it was presumably finished when Comey's was finished or McCabe's both No, Comey. Um, but right. We still haven't seen that.
2: So. It's a total mystery. And it's, you know, it's it's it, there were enough people in the original IG report that the IG um, produced about the way the Clinton email investigation was handled. There were enough people, high level officials that expressed concern about the impact that that anti-Clinton animus and the possibility of leaks had on how the investigation was conducted in the days before the election, that it it is really surprising that we haven't gotten a resolution on that. Um, You know, but but at the same time, we the people who were fired by the FBI, for example, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok for expressing their personal opinions and text messages aren't necessarily the ones that want to push the issue. Right. Because they don't want to make it seem like the personal opinions of FBI officials Mm -hmm. matter in terms of how they actually conduct their investigations. So their hands are also tied with with regard to how much accountability they demand of this, Um, because in theory, it shouldn't matter. In theory, you should have, you know, career agents, career officials just carrying out the investigation um, in a way that is consistent with the normal procedures and protocol. And that is what the the Peter Strokes and Lisa Pages of the world were arguing that the FBI is all about, that they are trained to not let their personal opinions get in the way of investigations. And so if they were to turn around and say, well, look at all of the anti-Clinton officials in the FBI, and what was their impact on this, then they might be accused of the same thing. Um, I think that, you know, the emphasis, though, on the leaking, the leaking by the FBI New York office to, you know, potentially to people like Giuliani, that is where it gets um, a lot hairier. And that is where it's less black and white right so i i await that report and you know i think everyone is 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 waiting to be able to hold rudy giuliani accountable for that as well because he has walked that back but if you listen to his comments from that period it's very obvious
1: yeah it's pretty clear to us too so we we anxiously await that report too um also, big news today. It appears that Mueller is not done with Rick Gates. We, I, I tweeted out yesterday. I don't think he's done with him because of, there's just two. Even if you're just talking about the inaugural investigation, which he was the deputy of. Um, so if they asked for another delay in sentencing. I think this is the fifth time, fourth or fifth time they've asked for a delay. Another 60 days because he's still cooperating, quote, in several ongoing investigations. So how does that square with all the reports we keep hearing that Mueller's done? Mueller's finished and his report's coming out yesterday.
2: Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's still really hard to tell. I mean, I think the the interesting thing about Rick Gates is um, the extensions of his status reports and of his sentencing, etc. It has been that he's been helping with multiple ongoing investigations. So it's not just. You know, that he's helping with stuff about the inaugural committee, um, which is what a lot of people were saying today is Is possibly what's what's keeping what's holding this up. It's that he is he's helping with a wide array of, of things that that, you know, perhaps New York prosecutors, special counsel prosecutors, D.C. prosecutors are looking into. And so in that respect, I can kind of see, you know, Mueller wrapping up and. Allowing Rick Gates's sentencing to go forward, or finishing his, you know, finishing his report, um, and with Rick Gates's cooperation and with all of his input, while still, you know, leaving Rick Gates's cooperation with other prosecutors and other districts open. Um, So I don't necessarily think this means that, you know, Mueller is going to go on for another six months, right? But I do think it's it's definitely a signal that that the core of the investigation isn't necessarily over yet, but but also that, you know, he, Rick Gates could be very helpful in terms of spinoffs um, that Mueller has that Mueller has given to, to New York prosecutors and, and D.C., for example. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting development. I don't think anyone expected it. I mean, I certainly thought that his sentencing was going to be um, set today. Um, so we'll just have to wait and
1: see. Right. And we keep wondering, you know, the Mueller investigation, Mueller can be finished with his part without the Mueller investigation ending. It's just not his. Right. Um, I mean, there's 27 million different little tendrils he shot off by handing things off, and he gave full power, U.S. attorneys, to everybody working for him, so they're all just Mullers basically running around. But you know, we'll, we'll. I guess we'll find out. But finally, you, because this kind of leads into the piece that you put out uh, this morning in The Atlantic. It's an excellent piece, by the way. It says Mueller might not be done with Manafort yet either. So given the news that Weissman is leaving and he was really big on the Manafort case, at least in the money laundering and tax fraud stuff, we've been trying to find parity between what we know from the public reporting uh, and what still has not been charged, um, uh, you know, what Manafort still hasn't been charged with. I, we've been saying for a long time, I always thought there would be superseding indict- indictments or additional indictments on Manafort for crimes of collusion as he was charged by Rosenstein with. And I've I've talked about multiple clues related to these additional charges. And you and so did you in this piece. And I was hoping you could maybe touch on a couple of those clues and how you see this playing out.
2: Yeah. So the biggest clue, I think, was when Andrew Weissman told Judge Amy Berman Jackson um, last month that The issue of whether or not Paul Manafort gave, well, he said the issue of the August 2nd, 2016 meeting um, very much went to the heart of what the special counsel was investigating.
1: Right. The August 2nd meeting didn't have anything to do with tax fraud and money laundering. Right, right. It
2: went to conspiracy. It went to collusion. Um, And so for him to say that and for for the content of the August 2nd meeting to have been revealed only inadvertently because of a redaction error by Manafort's lawyers um, and not because Mueller's team put it out, you know, consciously and on purpose, Um, is a big clue that they were keeping that up their sleeve and that they are hanging on to that for something potentially bigger. Um, You know, I think that the reason potentially that they went after Manafort for bank and tax fraud and foreign agent violations is because they were expecting him to flip, right? And they wanted to know everything that he knew about the extent of the conspiracy between the campaign and Russia. That obviously didn't work out because Manafort lied throughout the course of his cooperation deal. Um, but that, what, what that also means is that it's still very much an open question what prosecutors are going to do with the information they gleaned, for example, from Rick Gates about the Russia conspiracy element that Manafort engaged in during the election. And so that's still a big, um, you know, open question. And what prosec- former prosecutors I spoke to told me is that it's very possible. It's, it's not necessarily likely, but it's very possible that Manafort will be included in some kind of bigger Rico charge bigger conspiracy charge that will perhaps be leveled against the entire Trump campaign when this is all over um short of that, Manafort could still be you know discussed in Mueller's report, which would mean that he still you know has there will still be a full accounting of his role in a conspiracy um but either way, you know you're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna have to get some kind of explanation for like why did he give the polling data over, why was he talking to Kalimnik about a peace plan that would have been favorable to Russia. And why was he offering Oleg Deripaska, the Russian oligarch, private briefings on the campaign? And did that ever actually happen? And what's the connection there? I mean, there's just so much left of the Paul Manafort story. And so I think that, you know, saying that he's going to jail for the next seven years and that's the end of it, Mueller's done and can wa- wash his hands of it.
1: Uh, who do you think if, the, if you know, the possibility, maybe not the likelihood, but the possibility that there's a big RICO Uh, conspiracy waiting to be dropped on all of us. What office would that come out of? I presume it would come out of Mueller's office because that was his main job.
2: Yeah. And this is something that, you know, the legal experts I spoke to also kind of disagreed on. I mean, some said that, you know, Mueller, Mueller would, I mean, if they, if, if he, if he wanted to, of course, he could bring that conspiracy charge. The question is whether he wants to, or whether he wants to just leave that big conspiracy charge to, like the Southern District or D.C. Um, but but it's certainly it's certainly possible. And, and some people have also speculated that that could be like the grand finale. Right. That like maybe instead of a report, he could just bring a a broad conspiracy or RICO charge against the entire campaign and name the president as like an unindicted co-conspirator. Um, and that could also kind of get around the well, you can't indict a sitting president question. Um, So it could go either way. But I think we you know, I think that it would be unwise to rule out the possibility that we could see some kind of RICO conspiracy charge um, against the Trump campaign. Cool.
1: Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's what honestly that's what everyone's kind of hoping for is some big grand finale speaking indictment of the rest. You know, I just want to be prepared in case that's not how it happens. And I, I would assume that. Uh, if that were the case, that would happen before a report were issued and not after. But that could not be the way as well. So I, you know, I don't think he can issue his report until he's done. Who knows? I don't know. I guess I guess it's just as it's always been. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited to see you March 29th. Uh, again, that's in the Miracle Theater in D.C. Uh, a couple tickets left for that. Uh, staff writer for The Atlantic, MSNBC contributor Natasha Bertrand. Natasha, thanks again for joining us. All right, guys, that's the show. Thanks for hanging in. It was a long show. It's been a crazy week. Stay up to date with our full-length ad-free midweek episodes, Wednesday nights, and the ad-free MSW Book Club, Thursday nights. Both of those are for patrons only, so become one now at patreon.com slash wrote. We're about to start releasing daily updates for patrons while we develop our new show, The Daily Beans, which you will get ad-free for being a Muller She Wrote patron. And we cannot wait to see you guys live. Get your tickets now. D.C., March 29th, just around the corner. Uh, We'll be at the Miracle Theater there and the Bell House in Brooklyn March 30th, Largo in Los Angeles April 18th, and the Parkway Theater in Minneapolis June 14th. Before we sign off, guys, I want to take a moment to send our deepest sympathies and love to all those affected by the act of terrorism carried out this week in New Zealand. And I want to apologize on behalf of the American government for not denouncing white nationalism and white supremacy in the face of this terrible tragedy. Please know uh, that the support and the love of the American people are with you. Do you guys have any final thoughts?
0: I thought that was perfect. Yeah, just it's really crazy, but I, I feel like we have a great community. You know, like on the Friends of Justice page or on Twitter, like everyone's just so supportive and positive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys make me happy. Great, you make me happy, Jalisa. Aw, oh. you both make me happy. You make me Jordan happy doesn't. You. Fuck Jordan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck
3: me. Um, yeah, I think it's crazy that. This sort of white nationalism it's not regional anymore i think yeah i think mccabe said it in his book he said g- g- like globalism isn't just google or something like yeah. it, it's it's everything and it's everywhere including this so no matter where you are if it's on the internet in person do whatever you can to join the right causes and stand against that stuff when you can and like you said we support them and everyone has their backs right now
1: yeah speak out keep your head on a swivel this has been awesome you guys please be kind to each other um, stop stop the hate. You know what I mean? Love each other and uh, get out there and, and do what you need to do to make, to make our country and now the world, and it always should have always been the world, a better place. So thank you. I've been A.G. I've been Jalisa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by A.G. with editing and logo design by Jalisa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is moxie.com. M-S-W Media.
0: Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela.
1: You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make
0: real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think
1: you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay.